Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, and they do it with mirrors. Where Miss Marple senses danger when she visits a friend living in a Victorian mansion, which doubles as a rehab center for delinquents. Her fears are confirmed when a youth fires a revolver at an administrator. Neither is injured, but a mysterious visitor is less fortunate, shot dead simultaneously in another part of the building. Pure coincidence? Miss Marple thinks not. This will be a five-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. of Ruth Van Ryduck, I had gone to Stony Gates to stay with her sister, my old school friend, Carrie Louise. Ruth was convinced that there was something wrong there, but had no idea what it might be. Stony Gates was a reformatory establishment for juvenile delinquents run by Carrie Louise's third husband, Louis Serracold. But I saw nothing there that might concern her. Far more disquieting, I thought, were the jealousies and tensions within her own family. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's They Do It With Mirrors. Of course, Mother sees nothing that she doesn't choose to see. She's deliberately refusing to face up to the tragedy of Gina's marriage to that appalling American. Tragedy? Do you really think it's as serious as all that, Mildred? I told Mother at the time it was most unwise sending Gina off to live with Aunt Ruth in America for the duration of the war. After all, we had hardly any air raids in this part of the country. It must have been difficult to decide what was right to do, you know, Mildred. Where children were concerned, I mean. Mother has always been quite unreasonable about Gina. She was always spoiled and indulged in every way. You must have had a very difficult childhood. Oh, I'm so glad you appreciate that, Aunt Jane. Pippa, Gina's mother, wasn't my real sister at all. She was adopted, and, of course, she got all the attention. She was prettier than me, and she didn't know what shyness was. A child can suffer a great deal. I know that very well. What a lovely little girl, people would say to Mother, meaning Pippa, of course. And it was Pippa that Papa used to joke and play with. It was so unfair. I was their only child. She was nobody. A child whose parents didn't want her. Probably illegitimate. Perhaps that was why they overindulged her. It's a most unchristian thing to say, but I was glad when she died. Now it's all come out in her daughter. There's bad blood there. Look at the way Gina's carrying on with Stephen Resterick and with his brother Alex when he comes down here. Everyone but Mother notices it. Admittedly, Gina made a terrible mistake with her husband, but marriage is marriage even if she is stuck with him. Is he so dreadful? Oh, dear Aunt Jane, he's so surly and uncouth. But then the whole place is so impossible. Look at the state of the gardens, not to mention the house. Why can't Mother employ proper servants? 
If the place were mine. Yes, it must be sad for you to come back here and find everything so different. Do you really prefer living at Stony Gates to somewhere of your own? But this is my home. I was born here, and I have a right to be here if I choose, and I do choose. Whatever Lewis and his gang of cranks and criminals may do to the place, this was my father's house, and I have a part in it. Nothing can alter that. Disquieting, yes, but hardly a positive threat to Carrie Louise. Carrie Louise. Why is it that only Ruth and I call her that? To Mr. Serracold, she is Caroline. To Miss Belliver, Cara. Stephen Resterick seems to address her as Madonna, and Gina calls her Grandam, a kind of mixture of Grand Dame and Grandmama. Is there some significance in the various names they find for her? Or is she simply a symbol to all of them, and not quite a real person? You're looking very thoughtful today, Jane. May I know what you're thinking about? You, Carrie Louise. What about me? Tell me honestly, is there anything here that's worrying you? Worrying me? But Jane, what should worry me? Well, most of us have worries. I have slugs, you know, <laughs> and the difficulty of getting linen properly darned and not being able to obtain sugar candy for making my dams and jam. Oh, lots of little things. It seems unnatural that you have no worries at all. Well, I, I suppose I must have, really. Lewis never gets any sleep, and Stephen never bothers to feed himself properly because he's too engrossed with that theatre. And Gina is very jumpy. <laughs> but I've never been able to alter people. I don't see how you can. So it wouldn't be any good, my worrying, would it? Mildred's not very happy either, is she? Mildred is never happy. She wasn't as a child, and I doubt whether she was with her husband. Perhaps she had cause not to be. Because she was jealous of Pippa, you mean? Mm. Oh. Yes, I dare say. People don't really need a cause for feeling what they feel. They're just made that way, don't you think so, Jane? I expect you're right, Carrie Louise. Of course, my being so free from cares is partly due to Jolly. She came to me when Johnny Restrick and I were just married, and she was wonderful from the first. She'd do anything for me. I feel quite ashamed sometimes. I really believe that Jolly would murder someone for me. Isn't that an awful thing to say? She is certainly very devoted. Oh, she gets so indignant. She believes everybody ought to put me first. She's the one person who's totally unimpressed by Lewis's enthusiasm. She thinks this place is damp and bad for my rheumatism and that I ought to go and live in, in Egypt or somewhere like that. Do you suffer much from rheumatism? It has got much worse lately. I find it difficult to walk. Horrible cramps in my legs. Ah, old age creeping up on me, I suppose. Cara, a telegram's just come over the telephone. Christian Gilbranson is arriving this afternoon. Christian? Well, I'd no idea he was in England. It can't be a month since he was here last. What can he want? 
Shall I put him in the oak suite as usual? Oh, yes, it means he won't have to cope with the stairs. I'll tell the others that he's coming. Oh, thank you, Jolly. Christian Gulbranson is my stepson. Oh, Eric's eldest child. Actually, he's two years older than I am. Oh, how annoying that Lewis is away. The visit is something to do with the Institute, I suppose. Well, I imagine so. And Christian hardly ever stays more than one night. He's an immensely busy man. Oh, what a nuisance for him. Christian Gulbranson arrived late in the afternoon. He was a tall, heavy-featured man with a slow, very methodical way of talking. There was a strong resemblance between him and his sister Mildred. What a very pleasant surprise. We hardly hope to see you again so soon. There was a distance of thirty years between them, and they might easily have been mistaken for father and daughter. And how are you, Mildred? I've not really been at all well lately. That is bad. And how is little Gina? You and your husband are still here, then? Oh, yes. We've quite settled down, haven't we, Wally? Looks like it. So, here I am with uh, all the family again. I could not help noticing that he seemed ill at ease, preoccupied in some way. Oh, it's too bad that Lewis is away. How long can you stay, Christian? I mean to go tomorrow, but it is most important that I have a word with Lewis. When will he be back? Tomorrow afternoon or evening. Then I must stay another night. It is unfortunate, but I have no alternative. Was it really the affairs of the Institute that had brought him to Stony Gates? Every now and then, he would cast a thoughtful, puzzled look at Carrie Louise when she was not aware of it. After tea, I retired to the library, where, rather to my surprise, he followed me and drew up a chair beside mine. You are a very old friend, I understand, of dear Carrie Louise. We were at school together in Italy many, many years ago. Ah, yes. And naturally you are very fond of her. Yes, very fond. So I think is everyone. And that is as it should be, for she is a very dear and charming person. Always since my father married her, she has been like a very dear sister. She was a faithful wife to him and loyal to all his ideas. She has never thought of herself and always puts the welfare of others first. Yes, for as long as I've known her, she has been an idealist. An idealist. That is true. And therefore it may be that she does not always see the evil that is in the world. Evil? Tell me, how is her health? Have you noticed any change? She seems very well. Apart from arthritis and rheumatism, she is beginning to find walking difficult. Is that so? And her heart? How is her heart? Her heart? There's nothing wrong with it as far as I know. But until yesterday, I'd not seen her for many years. If you want to know the state of her health, you should ask somebody in the house here. Miss Belliver, perhaps. Yes. Miss Belliver. Or Mildred. Yes, as you say. Mildred. There is uh, not between the mother and the daughter... A very great sympathy, would you say? No, I don't think there is. <sighs> it is a pity. Her own child. But there it is. And you think that this uh, Miss Belliver is really attached to her? 
Very much so. And Carrie Louise depends on her. So she says. And then there is the granddaughter, the little Gina. But she's so young and is not happy with her husband, I think. <laughs> Sometimes it is hard to know what is best to be done. Oh, so that's where you've got to, Christian. The psychiatrist in charge wants to know if there's anything you'd like to discuss with him. Uh, I really need to speak to Lewis before I do anything. I'll tell him that, shall I? Uh, no, no, I'd better go and have a word with him. Excuse me, Miss Marple. Of course. I wonder whether something has gone wrong. Christian's very unlike himself today. Did he say anything? He only asked about your mother's health. Her health? Why should he ask you about that? I really don't know. Well, mother's health is perfectly sound. Surprisingly so for a woman of her age. Much better than mine as far as that goes. I hope you told him so. I don't really know anything about it. He asked me about her heart. Her heart? Yes. Well, there's nothing wrong with Mother's heart. Nothing at all. I'm delighted to hear it, my dear. <sighs> Who on earth has been putting all these odd ideas into Christian's head? What makes him think that there's something wrong with Mother? To all appearances, the morning and afternoon of the following day passed uneventfully. But all the time, I was aware of a strange inner tension. Christian Gulbranson chatted to teachers and some of the boys, and after lunch, Gina took him out for a drive. But there seemed to be only one person he was really concerned to talk with. Miss Belliver, I'd like a word with you, if you can spare me a moment. I found that strange. If his visit was really to do with the running of the Institute, why should he want to talk to a woman who dealt only with the domestic side of Stony Gates and with Carrie Louise? At four o'clock in the afternoon, I went into the garden and bumped, quite literally, into Edgar Lawson, who was looking wilder than ever. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I beg your pardon. Are you all right, Mr. Lawson? All right. How could I possibly be all right? I've had a terrible shock. What kind of shock? Shall I tell you? I really don't know if I can. They're watching me all the time. Come with me down this path, Mr. Lawson. Now, there are no trees or bushes nearby. No one can hear what you say. I've made a terrible discovery. I trusted everything you said so completely. But it was all lies. Lies to keep me from finding out the real truth. And he was the one person I really believed in. I thought he was my friend. And now to find out he's been at the bottom of it all along. It's he who is my real enemy. But I shall speak out. I shall shout it to all the world. But who is he? I'm speaking of my father. Do you mean... Winston Churchill? Oh, no. They let me think that, to keep the truth away from me. But now I know. I've got a friend, a friend whom I can really trust, who has told me who my real father is. So now my father will have to reckon with me. I'll throw his lies in his face. I'll challenge him with the truth, and we'll see what he's got to say to that. It was all very sad. And yet somewhere there was something wrong. Something I knew was there, but I couldn't quite grasp. I knew that Edgar Lawson reminded me of someone I had known in the past. But why was it important? And why could I not recall it? Was it someone in St. Mary Mead? Mr. Selkirk, the delivery man, perhaps? 
Oh, that absent-minded postman, what was his name, who had created so many problems. The day seemed to drag on painfully slowly, as if it too was waiting for the return of Louis Serracold. Gina came back and went for a long stroll with Stephen Restrick by the side of the lake, talking animatedly and looking into one another's eyes, and watched from the shadow of the trees by Walter Hudd. Louis Serracold arrived back at Stony Gates at 6.30. From my window, I watched Christian Gulbranson go out to meet him. The two men paced backwards and forwards on the terrace below my room. As it happened, I had brought my bird glasses with me, and I thought I saw a flight of siskins by the clump of trees beyond the terrace. Through the glasses, I could see that both men looked seriously perturbed, and I could just catch faint snatches of their conversation as they walked. I think it would be better if Carrie were not informed. It would come as a terrible shock. I agree. If there's some way in which he could possibly be kept from her without further harm being done. It is too great a responsibility to take. Perhaps we would do best to seek outside advice. But it is getting cold out here. Let us go inside. Ruth Van Ryduck had been right to be apprehensive. Whatever was the purpose of Gulbranson's visit, it certainly concerned Carrie Louise. Dinner that evening was a very subdued affair. Gulbranson and Seracold were both completely absorbed in their own thoughts. Walter Hudd looked sulky and miserable. Mildred glowered. And for once, Stephen and Gina had nothing to say to each other. Afterwards, we all moved into the great hall. Stephen sat at the piano, strumming in an indeterminate sort of way. If you will forgive me, Carrie, I shall go now to my room. I have an important letter to write. Yes, of course. You're sure you have everything you need? Yes, yes, everything. I put a typewriter in there earlier. Miss Belliver has been most kind and attentive. <laughs> Good night, Carrie. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. <sighs> not going over to the theatre tonight, Gina? No, Grandam, not tonight. We're waiting for inspiration to strike. At the moment, inspiration is refusing to oblige. Oh, Stephen, I'm sure something will come to us before long. <laughs> Somehow, there's never enough light to read by in this place. Anybody object if I switch on the standard mm. lamp? No, of course not, Wally. Oh. oh, that blasted switch is always playing up. I'll go and fix the fuse. Oh, Wally's so clever with electrical gadgets and things like that. You remember how he fixed the toaster? It seems to be all he ever does here, fixing things. Have you taken your tonic tonight, Mother? It's on the table by your chair, Clara. Oh, thank you, Jolly. Ugh, such horrid stuff, and nobody lets me forget it. I don't think you should take it tonight, my dear. I'm not sure it really agrees with you. What do I swear ever not? Really, Mr. Seracold, what do you mean by that? Your wife has been so much better since she... Oh, been... oh, oh, oh. oh, so, I have found you, oh, mine enemy. Edgar, what on earth is the matter? You can say that to me. You, you know very well what's the matter. 
You've been spying on me, working with my enemies against me, telling lies about who I really am. Now, Edgar, you really mustn't excite yourself. You're disturbing everyone. Let's talk it over quietly together. Come into my study. No, I want everyone to hear this. Let's talk together first. Come on. Very well. But this time, I want the truth. Do you understand me? I don't like the look in that boy's eye. They've locked themselves in. This time he's really gone off his head. He's getting more dangerous every day. You've got to put a stop to it, Mother. There's no harm in the boy, really, Mildred. He's fond of Lewis, very fond of him. Who do you think you're trying to fool? You can't keep up this ridiculous pretense any longer, you bastard. He doesn't sound very fond of him. He had something in his pocket. I suppose if we were all in a movie, it would be a revolver. I'd rather think you know that it was a revolver. Everything you've told me is lies, lies, lies. It's you who's my father, you. You've cheated me, deprived me of my rights. I ought to own this place. Now just calm down, Edgar. You know all this is nonsense. You're going to tell me the truth. I'll make you tell the truth. I'll take that super serious look off your face. I'm going to have my revenge. Revenge for all you've done to me. Revenge for the way you've made me suffer. Put that revolver down. Oh, Edgar will kill him. He's gone crazy. Can't get the police. There's no need to worry, Gina. Edgar loves Lewis. He's just over-dramatising. Yes, I've got a revolver and it's loaded. No, don't speak. Don't move. You're going to hear me out. It's you who started this little conspiracy against me and now you're going to pay for it. To pay for it with your life. The boy's gone raving mad, Cara. It's not just play-acting. He really means you it. You must keep calm, Jolly. There's no real danger. You mustn't worry. You sit there looking at me, pretending to be unmoved. Why don't you get down on your knees and beg for mercy? I'm going to shoot you, I tell you. I'm going to shoot you dead. Carrie Louise, there must be something we can do. He's going to kill your husband. I'm sure of it. You thought you could keep it from the world forever, but it's too late. I'm your son, your unacknowledged son, the guilty secret you tried to keep hidden away so that no one would ever know your shame. That was a shot. It's all right. It was from outside, somewhere in the park. You set your spies to hound me down. You plotted against me. You, my father. We can't just stay here and let this happen. We must do something. You kept on filling me with lies, pretending to be kind to me and all the time concealing the fact that I'm your son, your bastard son. You are fit to live. You're going to pay for it all now. Those were from the study. Oh, God, what are we going to do? Edgar, open the door. Oh. Edgar, open this door. I've got the keys. The trouble is, I don't know which is the right one. The lights have come back on. What the hell's going on? What's happened? That awful crazy young man has shot Mr. Seracold. Good God. Let me try to talk to him. Edgar, please let me in. Please, Edgar, please. It's all right. It's all right. Don't worry. Everything, everything's all right. We thought you'd been shot. Of course I haven't been shot. But we heard shots. Yes, he fired twice. And he missed you. Of course he missed me. Johnny, could you ask one of the doctors to come over? Poor Edgar needs a sedative. Of course, I'll see to it. Shall I ring the police? No, no, certainly not. As you wish, Mr. Seraphim. Well, of course we will ring the police. He's dangerous. Nonsense. Does he look dangerous? I didn't mean it. I didn't mean any of it. The bullets went into the wall over here. They went nowhere near me. He was just play-acting. I lost my head. I really believed for a moment it was all true. Who told you Mr. Seracold was your father? I don't know. I think it just came to me. How the hell did you get hold of this gun? Gun? It's mine. You took it from my room, you creeping little louse. All this can be gone into later. You can't pretend it never happened. I am sick of the way you all carry on here. 
The boy's a dangerous lunatic. He ought to be locked up. No, please, don't let them take me away. Please, for goodness sake, can't you see the guy's mad? Please, Walter, the poor boy's suffered enough. Suffered enough? He tried to kill Seracold with my gun, and all you can do is feel sorry for him? Just calm down, Wally, and stop sounding like a bad gangster movie. I've sent for the police. They'll be here as soon as they can. Charlie, there was no need for that. I told you I did not want the police summoned. This is a purely medical matter. That's as may be. I've my own opinion. But I had to call the police. Mr. Gulbranson has been shot dead. Oh, yes. Christian, shot dead. But that's just not possible. If you don't believe me, go and take a look for yourselves. Is he in his room? No, dearest, let me go. You stay with Miss Marple. Come with me, Jolly. I just can't believe it. It doesn't make sense. possibly want to kill Christian. The way things are in this place, practically anybody. Good evening. Bro. What's going on? What on earth's the matter with you all? For a moment, I thought I was seeing double... Surely the same man could not be standing by Gina and coming in by the front door at the same time. Well, I'm sorry I'm so late. But there was a lot of fog on the road. And then I realised it must be Stephen Rastrick's brother, Alex. You did expect me. You got my wire. Yes, of course, Alexis, dear. Only, you see, things have been happening. What things? My brother Christian Goldbranson has been shot dead. Good God. You mean he killed himself? Oh, no, no. No, it couldn't be suicide, not Christian. Oh, no. He would never kill himself. When did all this happen? Just before you arrived, about three or four minutes ago. We actually heard the shot, only we didn't really notice at the time. You didn't notice it? Why not? Well, you see, there were other things going on. Edgar Lawson was trying to kill our stepfather. Luckily, he missed. Mr. Seracle suggests that we should all go to the library... It would be more convenient for the police. Except that is for Mrs. Seracold. You've had a bad shock, Cara. I've ordered hot water bottles to be put into your bed. I'll take you up now. No, not until I've seen Christian. Oh, no, dear. You mustn't upset yourself. Dear Charlie, you wouldn't understand. Jane, come with me, will you? I'll be quite sensible, Jolly. Don't worry. Mr. Gulbranson had been sitting at the mahogany desk with a small portable typewriter in front of him. He sat there now, but slumped sideways. Louis Seracold was standing by the window. My dearest, you, you shouldn't have come. Oh, yes, Louis. I had to see him. One has to know exactly how things are. You mustn't touch anything. The police must have things left exactly as we found them. Of course. He was shot deliberately by someone then. Oh, yes. I thought you knew that, Carol. Mm. I did, really. Christian would never commit suicide. And he was such a competent person that it couldn't possibly have been an accident. That only leaves murder. Dear Christian, he was always good to me. Bless you and thank you, dear Christian. I wish to God I could have spared you this, Caroline. You can't really spare anyone anything. 
things always have to be faced sooner or later. And therefore, it had better be sooner. I'll go and lie down now. Shall I call Jolly? No, no, that won't be necessary. Jane will look after me, won't you? Yes, Carrie Louise. I will look after you. You better stay here, Louis, and make sure nothing is disturbed. The police will be here very soon. In part two of Agatha Christie's They Do It With Mirrors, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Carrie Louise, Ursula Howes, Louis Serracold, Peter Howell, Christian Gulbranson, Stephen Thorne, Mildred Street, Natasha Pine, Gina Hudd, Rebecca Lacey, Walter Hudd, Stephen Lucas, Alex Resterick, Nick Waring, Stephen Resterick, Daniel Philpot, Juliet Belliver, Paula Jacobs, Edgar Lawson, Rhys Meredith. They Do It With Mirrors is dramatised for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>